morning, everybody. Morning. How's everybody today? Good, good. Everyone's enjoying the nice weather? The World Cup? <laughs> no? <laughs> okay, there's three scriptures we're going to live off today, and that's where I'm going to be preaching. That's where the premise of the, the, the sermon is going to come from today. What I'm going to be preaching on is different seasons in our lives. We all know that we all go through different seasons in our lives. Okay? So let's open up to Isaiah 54, verse 1 to 3. Once we all get there, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin. Good. We there? Cool. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that this word today, your word, um, would speak into people, Lord. It would speak into hearts. God, that it would restore their joy that the enemy has stolen. God, I I just proclaim right now in Jesus' name that this word restores their joy, fills them up, and that they would find great joy in you, Lord. Lord, that this would be your word today. That it would be your word, not my words, but your word that is, spe- that is spoken over the church here today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so verse 1. Sing, barren woman, you who have borne a child. Sorry, who have never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So here God is saying, sing for joy, barren one, you who have never bore a child. Cry out loud, you who are never in labor. And so here's the promise. God is saying, start preparing and start celebrating beforehand, before you have the child, okay? Because I have promised you. And so here's the promise, because the children of the desolate one will be more numerous than the ones, that have that, the ones of the married woman, the one who can produce children each and every year. So he's saying to the barren one, sing and shout for joy. So when you put yourself in a place of celebrating with joy before the answer comes, you put into place a spiritual process of growth that is quicker and faster than the natural process. So here you have a woman who could have children every year if she wanted to, and one woman who can have children. And here you have God saying, shout for joy in your barrenness. Why? Because what is going to happen is that I am going to give you a rate of fruitfulness that surpasses the person who has been fruitful their entire life. So I'm going to add a supernatural element to it. The whole concept of delayed answers bring answers with increase. So the barren woman does not despise what was said, but participates and is celebrating the goodness of God before the promise even comes. But there's more to it. God is saying, enlarge the place of your tent. Get the baby's room ready before you have the child. 
Start and, and position yourself into the promise that God has promised you. Why? Because he is faithful. Start to prepare for the blessing beforehand because his word does not return void. What he says is what he will do. Be patient and wait for the Lord. So take these verses and allow it to be food for you while you are in a season of waiting on a certain promise from God or if you are waiting patiently for something God has already spoken to your life. Again, start to position yourself for the anticipation that God is going to give you what he has promised you. Ready yourself for that breakthrough in your life. I want to prophesy right now over the church that breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough for finances is coming. Breakthrough in what you've trusted God is coming. Breakthrough over your family is coming. Breakthrough over your illness is coming. So ready yourself and position yourself for the promise and and shout for joy in your barrenness before the promise of the Lord comes. Why? Because he is faithful. And he will do it. But what happens when that spiritual warfare kicks in? Right? What happens when we lose our confidence in what God had promised? What happens when we start to doubt these things? What happens when several months, several years go by and we start to lose our hope? We start to lose that joy. It's then time to eat. Hear me out. He said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Psalm 23, verse 5, like Adela read this morning. So if I am sitting at the table with Jesus, okay, and the enemy is sitting around me, okay, it says he hides me, not out of view, but not out of reach. Okay? So not out of view, but out of reach. Why? He wants the enemy to watch your pleasure in him. So as we sit and take our eyes off of Jesus, we will lose our appetite. We will forget about what's in front of us. And we start fighting in ways that are inferior to feasting. I'll say it again. We will forget about what's in front of us. Okay, take our eyes off of Jesus and start fighting in ways that are inferior to feasting. In the middle of your biggest conflict or struggle, turn your attention away from what's around you, away from your problem, and sit at the table with Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stop looking and, 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 and believing the lies of the enemy and what he is telling you. Start looking at Jesus. Second uh, verse I want to preach on today. Let's all turn to Psalm 91, uh, verse 14 and 16. And I'm going to be reading from the TPT version, the True Passion Translation. So if you have your Bibles on your phone, maybe turn to that version. Let me know when we're there. Four. 
For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you. I will set you on a high place, safe and secure before my face. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will find and feel my presence even in your time of pressure and trouble. I will be your glorious hero and give you a feast. You will be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you. For you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. I want to say this. Some sort of pain and suffering is going to come. It's inevitable. We cannot escape these things. We have all been through some sort of trouble in our lives where we've needed help. God is even saying here that he, he will answer your cry for help every time you pray and that you will find his presence even in your time of pressure and trouble. So rather than praying that God would take the pain away because, oh, how easy would that be for God to just take the pain away, pray for more God in those situations. Pray for more God in your seasons of suffering. Pray for more God while you're in the eye of the storm. God is assuring us that with us, in our time of trouble, He will protect you. He will not fail you. By His right hand, you are victorious. You know who also sits on the right hand of God? Jesus. Our victory. He sits on the right hand of God. He is the victorious one. Rather than praying and avoiding all pain and suffering, embrace the season that you are in. Step out of the boat and into the water with Jesus. Onto the water, rather. Have that faith in him. Trust him. He says that he will be your glorious hero. And that he will give you a feast in the presence of your enemies. And that, all, and that you will be lifted up and satisfied with a full life. And with all that he does for you, you will enjoy the fullness of his salvation. So yes, it's hard. Yes, of course it's hard. God meant it to be hard. Because that's how much he loves you. He's going to make sure you couldn't do it on your own. He's going to make sure that after a long day of work, after sitting in traffic with a bunch of idiots, and and, and, (laughs) people on their phones texting, you missed the advance green, so now you got to sit at the long yellow or red and then wait for all these cars to come. You finally pull up in your driveway and you get to a place, Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. I could kill someone right now. <laughs> you, know, you know, give me a verse, God. Give me a verse. Not that one. It's nothing Old Testament. Give me something good. Give me something happy. Give me something out of the Psalms. <laughs> so we are going to need to press into him. We are going to need to depend on him. So after that long day where we may lack patience and grace towards people, he will fill us up so we can now go into our houses, serve our families, love our families, and lead them in a spiritual way. Lead our children, lead our wives, whatever the case may be, lead lead the people in our community. I feel like we we don't really speak on this a whole lot. But I want to preach on a season of singleness really quickly, so hear me out, single people, okay? Single woman in the church, I want to tell you this. Jerry Maguire is full of it when he says that you will meet a man who completes you. 
It's foolish to think that. You will not, when you meet someone, you're going to find this man that fully completes you. doesn't happen that way. Okay? I think it is a good thing to desire a husband. It is not okay and idolatrous to sit around and wait for a husband with the hopes that God will then use you once you find a husband. Instead, women, leverage your singleness, okay, into younger women and making disciples. Pour yourself out into younger women for the glory of God. Here's the thing. High school girls think girls in their 20s are awesome. They want to be like you. Leverage that. Use that. Make disciples. Stop feeling sorry for yourselves because I'm single and all my friends have boyfriends. Stop it. Leverage it and make disciples. As you go through the word of God and all that it says about biblical manhood, your expectations should then rise to that. You should have those expectations. You should set the bar high to that. Fathers in here, with daughters, not only should you treat your wives in the way that they should be treated, but, but treat them in ways that are leading examples for your daughters so your daughters know what it's like and what to expect from a man in a relationship or in a marriage. What to expect. When you set the bar so low, you'll find guys step over that bar. So set the bar high and don't settle. You'll say, well, Al, you don't understand. I'm lonely. No, I do understand. I do understand what you're going through. I understand that season of singleness. I understand that season of loneliness. My friend, think to you, if you're lonely, get a cat. <laughs> get a dog, right? I said dog. <laughs> they won't hurt you like an immature boy will. Listen to me. Your loneliness now is monumentally better than what it would be like if you lived in a household that, that your partner wanted nothing to do with Jesus. That's loneliness. Now for the single man and I'm done. <laughs> godly men should pursue godly women in friendship in the hopes that it leads to marriage. Okay? Because he that finds a wife finds what is good. I am so tired of seeing little boys using girls to puff themselves up, making themselves feel better about themselves. Okay? Or having no idea what they want and using a girl to try and figure it out during relationships, or, and then they realize that this is not what I want. Okay? There's, there's, there's an emotional scarring there for the girls that happens. So stop it. Stop it. Have your stuff figured out first and then step into a relationship with a, with a girl with the hopes that it will lead to marriage. <clears throat> Yeah. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 2 to 7. 
This is going to be speaking on a seasons of trials in our life. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So trials will come. Not if, or they may, they will come. You will face trials of many kinds. That's what James is saying here. It's not like we go through one trial in our life and and we can sweat it off. Wow, we made it through that one. I'm good for the rest of my life. We We can now live in this happy, skip rope type awesomeness in God. It doesn't work like that. But when they do come, He's saying for you to consider it pure joy. Why? Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So knowing full well that we will experience these trials, how do we find joy in them? There's two things. We have to recognize that we are in a fight. How many of us have actually been in a physical fight here? Show of hands. We're not judging anyone right now. Well, I'm not going to lie, some people, ra- <laughs> some people raised their hands, I was quite shocked. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, some people, <laughs> no, true, true, but we'll talk later. <laughs> uh, so those of us that have been in a fight, okay, we know that we have a better chance of winning the fight if we know we're going to be in a fight. We know how to stand. We know how to position ourselves. We know where to keep our hands and our posture before the fight is coming. Okay? First thing we do as Christians when viewing trials are viewing them as a pathway to maturity. Okay? So what he's saying there. Look at verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The second lens in which we, should, we need to view these trials are, if you look at verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Okay? It helps us to be aware of just how much you need God and how much you need to depend on Him. My bet is this, and I know I do this. Okay? I don't know about everyone else, but when things are going great and everything is going well, it's on us. It's, it's us that got us there. We're doing great. We nailed it. You know? I don't need God. I got this thing. It's like the whole analogy of, uh, of the GPS. How many of you have done this? I've done this many times. We're, we're going somewhere and we're trusting in our GPS, and once we think we know the way or we think we're there, we turn our GPS off and then we get lost. Do I turn right on there? We left on there? You can't remember. Okay? 
That's lacking wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So there's two things here. One is asking for more wisdom, and the other is asking for more faith. I want to go to uh, Mark 9, uh, 19 to 27, and I'm going to explain. I want to talk a little bit on more faith. Okay? You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. So Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can? Of course I can. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I have faith, but help me, help me in my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the unpure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet and he stood up. So the good news from all of this is that when we are fighting doubt, sorry, so the good news from all of this is when we are fighting doubt, when we are doubting in our faith, I believe, but I'm struggling to hang on to that belief, the Lord steps into that place, uses that mustard seed of faith, and the Lord begins to work in our lives in that place. That's what separates us from the double-minded and unstable. The reality of our unbelief in that we need God. Let's be real with him. Yeah, God, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling here. A couple months have gone by. I'm, I'm struggling with my unbelief. I trust you, Lord, but help my unbelief. The last thing I want to speak on today is a season of storm. Everyone here has experienced a storm in their life. Some of you may be going through a storm right now. God didn't promise smooth sailing. He did promise that you're going to reach the other side. Some of you may have lost your jobs, maybe a marriage crisis, know someone close to you with a serious illness, you yourself may have experienced a serious illness, something may have come up out of nowhere, completely rattled you to your inner being, shook every bone in your body. But what do we do when we're in the storm? What do we do when fear reigns and has a total grip over you? A storm in your life doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. 
It doesn't mean that he has rejected you or that he is angry with you. It doesn't even mean that even if you were in the perfect will of God, that you still wouldn't be in that storm. Your struggle is the very essence of your growth. Growth does not come in comfort zones. It's only in the storm that your faith can grow. It's only when your faith is tested by fire that you know how pure your faith really is. It's only when you're tested that your character can grow. Only in the storm can you know the power of God, which will ultimately deliver you. In that storm, you will find, you will call on him, and he will be your ever-present help in your time of trouble. The storm develops your confidence, and with your confidence, your character grows as well. God has you in the storm or the fight you are fighting because it's a fight designed to develop your confidence, and so as you win your fights, the next one becomes a little easier, and you remember your past victory. And you begin to win the next one, and the next one, and the one after that. Because God is transforming you. That's why. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I, I have been in a season of storm. God finally spoke to me this week while, while preparing this sermon. I've had many questions for God. And like Jacob in the Bible, I felt like I've wrestled with God for quite some time now. But this is what God said to me. He said to me, he said, my delays are not my denials. I am trying to develop in you the character of endurance. I have put you through a struggle because I am going to develop you into who you are going to be for my kingdom. So what I've learned and what God showed me and what, what, what my father taught me is that as we look at the threat or the circumstances, we experience fear. But when you look at Jesus, when you look at him, you experience faith. So stop looking at your circumstances and start looking at Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. I want to close in prayer. Lord, you are the perfecter of our faith. Lord, Lord, we are not like the winds of the sea tossed from left to right. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixated on you, focused on you. Allow us to sit at the table with you, Lord, in the presence of our enemies.
Lord, allow us to trust in you. Help us that when we do look at the circumstances, when we do look at the threat and the fears in our life, Lord, that you would remind us of who you are and what you're capable of. Lord, that we would embrace the seasons of storm in our life because you are doing something in us. Lord, you you delight in us. We are not a burden to you, God. You ask us to come to you. And Lord, I just want to pray right now over the people in the church, God, that in their seasons of storm, in their seasons of suffering, in their seasons of patience and waiting, God, that you would meet them there and that you would show them who you are, your faithfulness, your steadfastness, and the loving Father that you are, the Father that longs for us, that delights in taking care of us. Strengthen us, Lord. Give us the character of endurance in our lives, Lord. That we wouldn't windle away. That we wouldn't be flaky. That it would be a solid foundation in which we stand. I pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.